Welcome to Hunting for Nova Sparkus by Coho Creative. Hi, welcome back. This is Ellen Craven, and today we have with us Ronald DeFlam. Hello. And we have a very special guest joining us from Loop. Her name is Sophie Liu, and she is going to be talking to us today about the fabulous work that they have been doing. And I know a lot of you have already been introduced to this through a lot of the CPG products that are coming into the market, but we're really excited to talk to her about the work that she's been doing and where this, this type of a program can go in the future. So Sophie, I would love for you to introduce yourself and just kind of tell us how you got to where you are today. Awesome. Hi, nice to meet you all. Um, I'm Sophie. I work on the business development team here at Loop. Um, and, and there's a few loops out there, but this is in particular um, Loop, the e-commerce um, and in-store system for reusable packaging. You probably have recognized us from our blue logo. Um, and I've been on this team for two years now and graduated college in 2016. So really came to both TerraCycle, Loop's parent company, and Loop from a personal journey around lowering my own waste impact. But once I started at Loop, it was in the early days when we were still building the platform from the ground up, um, launching it and really in more of a startup phase. Um, and now we're a little bit over a year and a half into launching Loop and we are growing quicker than ever. So really excited to dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. Congratulations to you guys. That's that's a really great run, if you want to put it that way. Like if you think about how fast you guys have been able to get as far as you have, that's really a fabulous from a success standpoint. Yeah, thanks so much. Absolutely. It's um, when you're working with all these CPG companies, it's certainly difficult uh, to get them to do something new and different and also to do so quickly. Yeah, yes, exactly. So tell us about the actual business model. How does Loop work? So Loop is essentially a system for reusable, returnable packaging. So if you think of anything that you might go out into the store today and purchase, um, just imagining buying that, but the packaging is reusable and you'll return it after you're done with it. The key change that we're asking both consumers and our brand manufacturers to make is really around the ownership of packaging. So we're inspired by the man of yesteryear. When you think about um, maybe a couple decades ago, there were still milkmen, and I think some places today do still have returnable systems. And as a consumer in those systems, you are purchasing ultimately the content of the product, but you aren't purchasing the packaging itself. So you're simply borrowing it and then giving it back when you're done with the milk or whatever you've purchased inside. That is essentially what we're inspired by, because if you think about all of the packaging and the waste that exists today, Really, what what we don't often think about is the fact that we as consumers are buying all of our packaging without it ever being something we actually want to own. So, you know, do, have you ever wanted to own that packaging um, of your shampoo bottle past the time that you are done with the shampoo? Probably not. So why are we manufacturing all of this and selling it to consumers when they don't actually want to? With Loop, we're asking brands to invest back in their packaging to ultimately own their packaging as an asset and explain to them why that is a better system for both them and the consumer um, and ultimately the environment. So you've got CPG traction. Have you noticed that consumers 
so I guess I guess the question is how much traction is really being driven by the CPG companies versus the consumers who now are becoming aware of this product and they're wanting it for, you know, everything they have or as many possible products as they use. Yeah, I think to talk about consumer traction around Loop, you have to kind of talk about consumer pressure and interest in packaging waste in general. TerraCycle, our parent company, is focused around recycling um, and have been in the waste and sustainability business since the early 2000s. But the consumer today is much different from the consumer back then. Um, we're seeing more and more consumers actually making their purchasing choices around in the packaging, um, whether or not it's reusable, how much waste is in that packaging, and the size of the packaging, and really scrutinizing that. So we have more and more brands who are actually putting packaging sustainability at the forefront of what they're innovating around. So I think the entire environment around packaging and CPG is moving towards what Loop is trying to create. So, you know, the CPGs are only interested because this is what the consumer is demanding. And Ronald, I know when you you have, you, do you want to talk a little bit about when you think about sustainability, you have kind of a principles that you work against. And I'm wondering if, if you want to like connect how those impact or would be thought about in this context. Yeah. Hi, Sophie. I'm an industrial designer and worked in the CPG industry quite a bit, done a lot of work for clients like uh, Procter & Gamble and Nestle and uh, PepsiCo. <clears throat> and I know if I look at how many bottles I've designed versus, and, and now you know, see them not being recycled, but either landing in the landfill or worse, even still floating in the ocean, I'm, a, I'm absolutely appalled, which which is why I love Loop uh, as much as I do. But in terms of the reusability of the packaging, there is a, another component to it, which one, obviously you, we need to make the pack, the packaging needs to be quite robust to, to fit into this, the, the, the way it, it, it needs to kind of come back like a milk bottle many times. And there is also a little bit more traffic involved, right? In, the, in, in terms of getting it back, from the consumer to a filling plant and then getting it back into the supply chain is is how is that being calculated in terms of the carbon footprint in 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 all of in all of the loop i guess sustainable metrics yeah i think that's kind of the beauty of loop so our uh, research and development team have done an extensive life cycle analysis on a an example loop product from the single use side and comparing that against a loop durable alternative. If you think about a life cycle analysis from creating the material that's going to create your packaging all the way until that packaging is you know, thrown away by the consumer and reaches its end of life, um, what we found is that the bulk of the energy consumption and usage in that life cycle is from the material creation itself and the end of life. So when you toggle things like the amount of transportation or cleaning or you know traveling in the middle, um, those things make a difference, but they don't make as large of a difference as you would think. Because ultimately what Loop does, different from single use, is that all of that material and the, and the product itself only needs to be created once. There's no end of life for every single cycle. So yes, 
typically loop products are a little bit more durable and there's more material in a single pack. So in that first cycle, obviously you'll see more energy going into a loop product. Um, however, if you're comparing that over three cycles or five cycles or more than 10 cycles, only for creating that packaging once, whereas on the single use side, every cycle you're creating packaging and every cycle you are counting the end of life of that packaging. So the impact that we have depends on how the single use and the durable alternative compare. Um, and often, you know, if you're looking at something like glass, we are leveraging some existing packaging as well. And so you're just taking the same amount of investment and energy that you are already utilized to create a single use product, but then putting that bottle through a number of different uses. And so ultimately that's what we find um, across somewhere between three to five uses, we'll see um, a loop product even out with a single use alternative. Okay, that's, that's, that's awesome. The durability of the primary pack, I guess there's something potentially very nice about it to being reused in such a way you can see the scratches or you can kind of see the imperfections as, as it's made these journeys. And maybe that's also something that the consumers actually appreciate versus reject. That is the perfect way of putting it. I think that's a question we often get from people who work on the brand side who are almost accustomed to having to create something that has to be perfect and new every time. But that's exactly the attitude that we have, especially our design team when we're working with brands, is to encourage these design teams to design something that's meant to be reused. We kind of call it designing and staging. How can you, you know, create and understand what, where you expect on that pack and then ultimately be able to incorporate that into the design of the pack. So a lot of the products on the platform today are looking at existing stock packaging that we can leverage and, and start to use because that allows brands to test platform and move quickly into a new form of packaging. But at the same time, many of our brands are looking at more interesting and innovative custom designs. Um, and that's going to allow them to both get more uses out of the packaging, but also be able to incorporate things that um, make reuse and, and really enhance the reuse aspect and even make their brand stand out. So how much of your design thinking work is you have a CPG company that's coming to you and they're saying, okay, we just did all laundry. Now we're moving into you know, moisturizers and lotions and you're, you're working with them versus you're actively doing all of these, these new design, all these new designs and you're bringing it to them to show them, you know, how they could be doing things and thinking about things differently. Um, it's absolutely a little bit of both. What Loop is really the expert is in is our system as a whole. So we have essentially created supply chain that makes reuse possible. Um, getting that packaging back from the consumer is a very key component and cleaning it um, and sending it back to the brands. Ultimately, what that means is that we are setting the standards around the packaging. Um, how durable is it? Is it going to last enough uses to ensure that, you know, it is environmentally better? And is it actually cleanable by us so that we can clean it to the standard at which our brands hold their brand new packaging? That's essentially what we are doing. 
ultimately the brands are in charge of their packaging, just like they are in single use. But we are here to provide the expertise and the standards to help them move into loop uh, approved reusable packaging. Got it. Are you finding that loyalty is tracking really well or has it been a slow, a slow go? I would say in general, loop is trying to run before we walk. Um, we are starting, you know, lower volumes and a couple of different stores and areas because we want to ensure that when we do grow and when we do scale, that we're able to do so on a really good, I guess, foundation. With Loop, we see that consumers who are loyal to the brands that they purchase are really excited to be able to see a new offering. So I think something that can, you might find surprising is that while uh, eco-conscious consumers are an important part of the people who access Loop, we also see a lot of consumers who like the fact that larger brands um, and more traditional brands are a part of Loop as well seeing them actually take tangible action against um, packaging waste and the sort of things that consumers are concerned about today. So did, did you encounter quite a bit of resistance along the way? I mean, I'd be quite interested to hear how, I mean, sometimes it's the first adopter that's the hardest to get, but once you've got one, it might, it's easier for the other CPG companies perhaps to follow suit. Or, or, or what, what, did you encounter the resistance from perhaps the retailers or even the recycling industry itself? I don't know. Uh, was, what were some of the kind of mountains that you had to overcome? I think like any innovative company, the, the biggest hurdle is getting these behemoths and large companies and retailers to think differently and be willing to do things differently. So obviously it will be different from brand to brand and company to company, but the brands and retailers that we are currently partnered with are clearly the ones who are willing to take a leap of faith and really build a you know, reusable ecosystem of CPG products from the ground up. So for us, it was very key to work with existing brands and retailers and really be transforming our you know, existing um, channels, retail channels and brand products and moving them into reuse because that is really how we think we'll be able to have the largest impact. Are you finding that the the products or the categories that the retailers are interested in are different than CPG or are they the same? So right now with retailers, our focus is really more about bringing them into the fold and be able to you know sell loop products. So it is more about getting them up and running and selling whatever products that you know, Loop and our brand partners are bringing to life. Um, as we're growing more and more through the retailers, I think just like your single use um, environment, retailers will you know, use the consumer um, reaction and information to drive their kind of future interesting categories and products. But today, um, how we work with the brands, we're usually focused on what type of products do we think consumers are looking for, what types of products are more easy to transition into reusable packaging. Um, and so there's a number of different factors when we're thinking about which products to begin with. Um, and for the retailers in the future, once they're launched, they'll become more of a driver in 
influencing the brands and what they are working on. Which which retailers are you seeing kind of lead the way in that thinking and being open to Loop? Um, so obviously the ones we partnered with. We actually very exciting this past week. We've launched in our first in store um, location in France with our first retail partner Carrefour. And in month there will be ten Carrefour stores in the Paris area that have a Loop product end cap and kind of return locations and bags and all of that. Um, so it is very very exciting to see photos of Loop physically in a store. We have been partnered with Carrefour since the early days, and in June of this year, they had actually um, started offering Loop products through their e-commerce platform. So if you had purchased um, groceries from them, you're able to add on Loop products as well. So in Europe, we're partnered with Carrefour, and they're probably the the first to make all of these changes live. We're also partnered with Tesco in the UK. Um, We launched through the UK also in the summer of this year um, and coming in the next year, we'll be also bringing Loop to Tesco physical stores. And in the U.S., we're partnered with Kroger and Walgreens. So we're really excited next year to be able to launch Loop in physical stores in Portland, Oregon um, with Kroger and later on in the year with Walgreens. So those are some of the retailers that we've been working with and will be the first to have Loop in the U.S. That's great. Actually, it's funny because Kroger is uh, headquartered here in Cincinnati, but they never launch anything new here first. <laughs> Not fair. So right now, is it just Europe and U.S.? And do you have plans for expanding beyond where you are today? Absolutely. So we are actually also launching early next year in Canada. And there we're partnered with Loblaw, again, starting with our e-commerce system and then launching later on in store, um, probably in 2022. And we are also launching in Japan and Australia later on next So there's lots of plans for expansion. Um, And again, retail partnerships in each of our region is very key for the growth. That's great. Do you think that Loop will have competitors soon? I mean, it's such a unique proposition today. There aren't many people offering this as a, a, a complete circular service. But I can see how potentially... There, there might be other ways to do it or in different ways, perhaps with kind of refill packaging, having a, a master pack, which, you know, you could refill with, you know, minimal packaging. Um, again, it's not the same, but there are some ways to, again, there are other ways to be more environmentally friendly and uh, or equally environmentally friendly. Do you keep kind of track on that too today or what are you seeing on the landscape? Yeah, I think in the last few years, you've seen zero waste packaging as well as uh, reuse in general grow a lot. Um, And of course, there's lots of businesses that fill this space. I think that there's a couple of different types of competitors, but I really wouldn't classify them as direct competitors to Loop at this point. Of course, there can certainly be more direct competitors that show up later on. Um, I think that when you look at bulk packaging and those types of delivery systems, that is becoming much, much more common. 
Um, and it's ultimately a consumer's choice to go to the store and bring all of their packaging, be able to purchase this in a zero waste format. Um, there's also more delivery systems that will then, you know, send it to you or bring it to you directly. We also see, you know, similar to Luke's recent announcement that we're partnering with McDonald's to bring reusable uh, beverage containers to McDonald's in the UK. There are obviously lots of companies that are trying to tackle takeaway packaging and beverages and fast food packaging. Um, and I find most of those companies are local to a city. So you'll see, you know, companies in Portland or San Francisco or other cities that are trying to work with their local restaurants and, and fast food locations to bring more reusable packaging. So that's kind of similar to what we're doing in one aspect. But I would say on exactly what Loop is doing with CPG product, our, our kind of comparable competitors are typically ones that are doing the same thing we're doing, but really with their own product. Um, and one of those Claim products we're actually now partnered with in the U.S. So there is obviously room to work together. What makes Loop really unique is our proposition of working with existing brands to move them into reuse. Um, and so far, there's no one doing the same. And we think that you know the partnerships that we've built um, and that we've been working on are really what set us apart in the specific reuse environment. Have you worked much within uh, regulated regulated categories, so alcohol or like CBD? Um, we have not in the U.S. So uh, regulation is something that we kind of have to take a look at from a location to location standpoint. So we actually do distribute loop products in with alcohol in France, um, and so in Europe, the alcohol regulatory. Um, considerations are, are not as complicated as the U.S., so we're able to distribute. Um, and of course, once we are distributing through uh, retail channels, it won't be as a challenge. In the U.S., our own loopstore.com doesn't distribute alcohol. But once we are distributing through, again, Kroger or Walgreens, um, that shouldn't be an issue anymore. Um, and we also have the ambition potentially to work with you know, alcoholics, retailers or distributors and bringing that to life in, in even a different channel. So there's certainly opportunities to work in regulatory areas. It just depends on you know, the partner that's interested in and the, the model that we want to bring to life. So what are your plans for future expansion? How far could this potentially go? And you mentioned how, how certain activities are focused around cities. Does does this also kind of point to the future where every city needs kind of the, the kind of a loop as, you know, kind of a loop, you know, a loop um, factory, I don't know what to call it, or at least a center where things can happen, where, where the loop packaging can be cleaned, et cetera, and, 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 and obviously be redistributed back into the system? Yeah, so your first question, we are expanding globally. Um, we want to, in the next couple of years, reach our you know, reach Canada and Japan and Australia and potentially even more countries um, within those countries working with retailers to bring loop into retail. Our ambitions to grow are quite large. Um, once we are launched with Kroger and Walgreens next year, 
uh, we're starting with each with a limited number of stores in a particular city. But from there, we want to grow both the offerings of Luke's products within those stores, as well as their distribution through the U.S. So in the future, we want Luke to almost be the same as what you would imagine organic products are like today in that you could go into any retail store and there is a single use and a reusable alternative um, for products that you're purchasing. And yeah, I think our operations will grow and localize in the same way. Right now in our U.S. market, we're servicing most of uh, our king and distribution through the East Coast, which is close to where Luke's headquarters are. Um, but as we grow to the West Coast, as we grow to Canada, we will continue to grow the number of cleaning facilities and distribution centers that we have um, to service the scale that we bring. Awesome. And TerraCycle, obviously the the holding company, the, what will what will it try and do with Loop? I guess beyond the single use, you know, the, the multi-use packaging. Does it does it want to also kind of make a point about other aspects of, you know, activism, global warming, or, um, you, you know, what 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 do TerraCycle's mission and values stand for? Yeah, absolutely. So TerraCycle and the mission is ultimately eliminating the idea of waste. Um, TerraCycle and Loop are for waste management. So our parent company, TerraCycle, focuses on hard-to-recycle materials. So if you think about any packaging that you can't put into your municipal recycling bin, um, that's essentially what we work with brands to offer recycling solutions for. So anything from flexible packaging to cartons to cigarettes and dirty diapers, that's what TerraCycle focuses on. Everything that we're producing currently and providing recycling solutions for them. Loop is similar, uh, but just in a different industry, we're looking at instead working with brands to create reusable packaging and providing the waste management service, which is cleaning in this case, to ensure that that system can run uh, smoothly. Um, within both of these, our expertise is in the waste management. It's around packaging and, and how to recycle and how to deal with that packaging. So we really want to continue to operate in that space. Um, with Loop, I think where you might see us beyond growing you know, throughout retailers and to additional geographies is potentially new models around reuse. So I kind of mentioned our partnership with McDonald's and moving into kind of a fast food restaurant space. Um, that's a new area that we are exploring, and, and certainly there are many more. So actually, let's just a real quick on McDonald's. Is it the, the product or the packaging that they're giving to the consumer or is it packaging that they're receiving so they might receive, you know, a big, huge tub of potatoes? Is it is it the packaging that's like the internal team versus the consumer customer facing? It's the customer facing um, packaging to start. So they're looking at hot beverage cups um, as the first thing that they're going to be piloting in the UK with Loop. Um, we do also have many partners and brands come to Loop with the interest of looking at transforming their back-of-house packaging. Um, it's all around creating new models to ensure that that can both function for the brand as well as Loop, um, and then we can kind of advise them around the reusability of their packaging. That's great. You guys have been busy. Yes, it's definitely been a really busy two to three years. 
Um, and I think it's really exciting and fun to be able to work with these brands and introduce them to uh, something that really changes the way that they do their work and the way that consumers interact with their product. And um, I think the hardest thing is waiting for everything that we're working on to, to come to fruition and be public, uh, but it's very exciting nonetheless. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And I think the more that you, you, it, it does seem to be snowballing, it, it, a lot of um, clients are taking this very seriously. Uh, sorry, a lot of the CPG companies, obviously, you know, we, we love it. It's a great example of how you introduce something to consumers and they adopt it so quickly because they know that there is a common good to it. Is There's a real end benefit. And um, I think that bodes well for the future too. I don't know if you agree, but I, I really hope that there will be more competitors or other companies doing similar things because we should really get away from single-use plastics, single-use packaging, and give consumers also a, a high-value return on, on, on using uh, an ice cream tub that, that does feel great to hold and, and, and does function more than just the one-time use. Yeah, exactly. I think that's essentially our goal is to create packaging and work with brands to bring packaging to life that will enthuse any consumer. Um, I think being able to bring this type of solution to your average mainstream consumer is how we know that we've succeeded because we know that you know, sustainable consumers who are willing to make the sacrifice and or choice will do so, but Sometimes it is just the better and or more interesting packaging that is going to succeed. Sophie, what do you see the future of sustainable packaging looking like? If you could have your perfect world 10 years from now, what, what would it look like? I'm hoping that it becomes much more easy to live a low-waste uh, lifestyle. I know that when I was trying to you know tackle various areas of my own consumption and and try to look at the packaging that I create and the waste that I create, it, it is so difficult. There's a lot that you have to do or refuse to purchase um, in order to reach and goals that you set for yourself. I think more and more refillable options like Loop in the products that you're purchasing in store, but also with restaurants and other businesses that you interact with, the ability to um, have refillable options or sit down options um, are incredibly important. So I think that once consumers are asking this of businesses, we'll see those changes happen more quickly. Do you think that more packaging companies will begin to work more closely with waste management companies? Really hoping that's the case. I think that's another aspect that makes Loop unique is that we are a waste management company who created a reuse environment and we're the ones dictating the design rules around reusability. Um, you don't see that in recycling or in compostable packaging ever. What that creates is brands thinking that compostable packaging perhaps is the answer and creating a lot of packaging that consumers don't have access to compost to be able to compost and ultimately composters don't even want to be able to you know, ruin the compost that they're trying to create and sell. Um, so I think that the packaging industry and CG industry working more closely with waste management companies like Loop 
ultimately is how we're going to come out of the waste crisis. Agree. Totally agree. Ronald, I, I don't have any more questions. Do you have more questions? Although I have one, no. one final question, if you don't yeah, have I anything think, else. I think we should ask the final question, yeah. So, Great. so, Sophie, the title of our podcast is Hunting for Nova Sparkus, and that was born out of an idea that we are really trying to spark new thinking, new ideas, so that our listeners can, you know, by understanding people who are on the forefront of and, and in this instance, you know, sustainability, what what would be a Nova Sparkin that you would want to share with people to really help them think differently and, and spark new ways of thinking? <laughs> and you already shared a couple, so it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's always hard to pinpoint to one thing, but I think I'll kind of lead with two aspects that kind of tie into each other, which is one, thinking about your own consumption and your own waste production. And with that, it's often starting with just every single thing you put in the recycling and our trash, you know, think about it, think about, is there a way that I could purchase this differently? Or, you know, is there a way I could have avoided this and making future choices based on that. And I think that ties very well into what we at Loop ask our brands and our consumers to question, which is, did you ever want to own that packaging for something that you purchased? Um, and to think about the end of life of all of the consumption that we do, because ultimately, while we want to refill to be successful in the future, um, we always say that less consumption is really ultimately the, the key to, you know, solving our waste crisis. That's fabulous advice. And this, this is part is off record. When you were talking about that, I think of my father who for the last 10 years, he'd come over and go through my garbage can. This can be recycled. This should go in a compost. <laughs> go through yeah. the whole thing. But now it's embedded in my brain. So I do that it. sounds now. like me as a roommate. Yeah. <laughs> so I totally agree. More people need to be conscious about, about, they need to be thinking about that. They need to be conscientious and really think about, you know, what is it that they're doing with their waste and do they need it in the first place? You know, I dare say it might also be kind of a cultural thing. I mean, I, I was born in Holland and, you know, I think the European countries, certainly in the Nordic countries too, they are a lot more considerate, considering, they consider so much more about what they throw away. Certainly there are glass banks in the middle of town where you can bring all your glass bottles. There's separation for bins a lot more composting going on. So it is, you know, something that perhaps here in America, we also need to kind of educate a little bit more on and um, the benefits of using less and reduce, reducing our consumption is something that's going to be a bit of a push here, I think, you know, in, 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 in the way that we're, you know, America, the commerce in America is so driven by consumption. Yeah, it's not easy for sure. If you think about European country, it's often setting example from the government, but also peer to peer. Um, when you see other people doing it, that's how you really learn. And the U.S. not having to separate out all your recycling, that kind of makes you not have to think about the trash that you put out because everything is just thrown and dumped away together. Whereas in some European countries where you have to separate, you know, 15 different types of recycling that automatically makes you think about what you're putting out there. Agree. And you hit on the piece I was going to say was the government component. I really think that that's 
key piece that we're going to see embraced. I think Sophie made a good point too about if you see your neighbor doing it, there's kind of also something that tells you, okay, maybe I should be doing it too. Yeah. And and you know, there's countries like Japan where they go even further than that. You know, you're you're almost shamed into not doing it. So you, it's a cultural thing sometimes, right? It's 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 incredible how how you can adopt the the new practice or behavior. Yeah. Well, even just within Cincinnati, we we can our our recycling container is as big as our garbage container and is always full. Yeah. But we we have recycling service where my mother and father don't get it. They actually take their stuff and they take it someplace to be recycled because they don't get it at their, you know, at their driveway. So even just consistency would definitely help too. And access. So Sophie, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, um, you know, your world with us. It was very, very informative. And I think it'll be very inspiring to our listeners. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Sophie. Very, very nice to meet you. So really great conversation with Sophie Liu and, and really looking to, you know, hear from Lane again and have her come back in and, and kind of get her point of view on what was really interesting to her. Hi, Lane. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm doing good. That was a great conversation. I, I thought so, too. Yeah. My first point that I was thinking was that while the work that they're doing is so fantastic and so great, I think the biggest hurdle that Loop and a lot of companies have is, you know, shifting consumer mindset because so many brands can be involved in this and the, their work can keep expanding, but the convenience of single-use plastic is always going to be there tempting consumers. So I'm interested to see the work that's done to change how consumers are thinking. I agree. And I think um, I tried to dig a little into that business model piece because for this to work, I think consumers will need to pay a little extra, obviously. The payoff is, a, is, a, is an environmental, sustainable, feel-good factor. But over time, their, their, their business, their, their, the operations and the logistics around returning an empty pack has to, I think, yeah, it has to be scaled with multiple distribution centers. So we're back into kind of almost that old model, but hopefully at least with this new model um, versus the old model, you're not throwing as much away as you were previously. Yeah. That's what I'm imagining because while you're at home, your intentions can be so good and executable, but you know, you're on the go, you stop, you grab a drink, you all of a sudden have a plastic bottle and you may not be able to dispose of it properly. Yeah, and it's these extra steps and consumer compliance, for one of a better word, that we need to, to we need to think about as designers. We need to think of, of making that as easy as possible. I know with our next conversation with ZeroCo, I think they've taken it another step forward, but I I agree. It it loop is a fantastic bridge. It's a great, it's a pioneer, it's a first where consumers can literally reuse a deodorant stick, reuse an ice cream tub. Re- so, wow, it's, it, it's, it's definitely going in the right direction. Totally agree. 
I think what Sophie said about how they're trying to change waste management into resource resource management, I think that's the key is, you know, thinking about waste as a resource and possibly as our only resource because we have so much of it. That when when she talked about that, I, I was thinking or I was struck by, you know, I always like to turn things on the head, their head and say, what else? What if? What could be? And even shifting your mindset in terms of waste as an asset or waste as an ingredient or waste as a raw material, that even just that starts to have people think differently about waste because it does, it becomes a resource. And I really think there could be some potential in, you know, what does that mean? How do you innovate against that moving forward? Even just shifting that mindset, you know, where could that take us? Yeah, so I, I agree. And I, I I think of waste as a commodity that actually is valuable. So yeah, it's not seen valuable. It's it's waste. It's garbage. It's supposed to go away. Right. It's the wrong word for it. Yep. Just as recycling is kind of also a wrong word, but it it it's what we're using and what we're dealing with today. But a, an aluminum can has value, intrinsic value of a, 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 like a raw material. Yep. A PET bottle, if cleaned properly and not mixed with other plastics, has an intrinsic value. And we're just throwing it away yeah. and hoping that something will good will come of it. But we're actually complicating the matter. Not our fault. It's just one one we're programmed to do. Maybe we need to go back to I'm gonna I'm gonna show my age, but I remember walking around trying to find glass bottles because I could get like a dime for it if I traded it in. But and it had value. It was like a commodity. But there's something to that. And Lane, to you talking about, you know, in our last podcast about going back to whether it's a hundred thousand years ago or 30, 40, 50 years ago, what, you know, were there things then that actually we could reapply or repurpose today because there was something valuable to how those things were being done. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward. I, I've mentioned it before. I'm looking forward to t- our next chat with Zero Co. Because I do. I think they actually apply those principles. Ellen, the, yep. the milkman, uh, they apply the the, the 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 that old fashioned way of just being able to leave your bottle outside the door, and the next morning you have a full bottle back, um, and you're creating very little waste that way. Yep, one of those simple solutions that. You know, those brilliantly simple solutions that, you know, when, when they come about, people are like, why weren't we doing this before? So really excited to, to talk to them. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. If hunting for Nova Spark has tapped into your curiosity or sparked any new thinking, check us out and get in touch with us at cohocreative.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Coho Creative. 